Okay, uh, today's episode is going to be extremely exciting uh, because we're going to go right into the election integrity project that has been unfolding since the November 2020 election. Everybody thinks that, um, oh, well, most people, I would say, think that we're ready to just uh, move on and, uh, you know, accept that Biden somehow got 81 million votes, even though Barack Obama got 69 million and uh, nowhere near Biden. And there's nothing that actually says that Biden won. Literally nothing besides the rigged election. There is no analysis. Honest person uh, now, especially even in the Democratic Party or Democrats themselves, which I'll get to, cannot honestly say that Biden won with 81 million votes, a total record turnout for voting uh, in the history of the United States of America. It just doesn't really feel right. So we're going to look at the facts. We're going to look at what's really going on in this election integrity project. Uh, and it's really, really fascinating. So first and foremost, I wanted to start by having a statement uh, in the introduction of this. In order for our nation to rise back up from the ashes, we must ensure election integrity in all future elections. Our constitutional process is set in place to preserve our freedoms in order for us to be self-governed while maintaining a political apparatus. The politicians we elect are in those positions for the purpose of protecting our civil liberties from foreign and domestic threats. This is why we have a political system in the first place, because we need limited institutions that will defend us from foreign adversaries, negotiate with allies on behalf of us citizens, preserve our constitutional rights, and serve justice to those who violate our rights domestically. Just by clarifying that purpose, we can realize how far our political apparatus has gone to act as an authoritarian institutional power with governing authority that is not afforded to them in our constitutional republic. With that in mind, we as Americans deserve to know the truth about what happened on November 3rd and the immediate days after that, which put Biden into office. We are over three months into Biden's administration, and we have already seen the deterioration of America through terrible foreign policy, false hope in the economy, unrecoverable federal spending, collapsing U.S. dollar, race war, vaccine hysteria, and continued COVID lockdowns. All of this is happening while, according to recent polls, 17% of Democrats, 75% of Republicans, and 30% of independents believe the election was stolen from Trump. It is of paramount importance that all Americans learn the truth about our election systems so that we can restore our republic's system of voting. Now, uh, you know, to start, a lot of people are like, oh man, fuck the system, man, I don't trust anything, I, I don't need, you know, no nobody, and it's 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 really kind of a um, a really negative perspective, but also I started this, you know, introduction here by uh, reestablishing why we even have politicians, right? Because right now we're we're so deep into hating our politicians on average. Uh, most people don't trust the government uh, that we are forgetting the purpose of government. We're fitting we're we're forgetting the purpose constitutionally of what these uh, politicians are supposed to do for us. Okay, and solely they put their hand on a Bible and they swear an oath to protect and to preserve 
the United States Constitution. Well, what is the Constitution? Well, the Constitution is laid out. It is a list, essentially, of our rights as citizens, okay? The Bill of Rights is a part of the Constitution, but it isn't the entire Constitution. The entire Constitution is the framework of our government, and the entire government in the Constitution is framed in a certain way, in a particular way, that is to preserve the American citizens. Well, why do we need a government? Well, we need a government, okay, because there are foreign adversaries. There are uh, other nations, other empires, you know, before, uh, you know, in the, in the last century, essentially, we had empires, right? There are other powers outside of our country that would love to do us harm as citizens. So we need a, you know, a, a military. We need a, you know, some kind of a security to secure these rights. That's what in the constitution to secure these rights. So what does that mean? Well, uh, if someone's going to come from another country or invade our country or something, we do need a government to, you know, put, put together a military. That's why the spending military spending is the majority of our government spending. Why? Because that's the sole purpose of the government is to preserve, to secure these rights, to secure us, to protect us, to have borders, to protect the nation. That's actually the first fundamental thing that goes into our government. Now, of course, our constitution goes into more protecting our rights from domestic threats. So I had to, I don't know why I just, I felt that we should revisit this, you know? So we have to preserve this. This isn't, I don't want people getting into this podcast and thinking and listening, thinking that, uh, everything's negative and oh that we, we our politicians and our government's corrupt and the whoa it's all it's all trash and well we need a new utopian system that'll be beautiful one day in the future like no we really actually don't we we have an amazing constitution okay uh it's 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 laid out pretty clear there okay it's not hard to read it's not hard to understand it is for the simplest minded person uh so i just thought i'd revisit that just to get started here because we're going to talk about elections and a lot of people are sort of, uh, you know, disdained by elections on both sides of the aisle, politically speaking. They are over elections. They're, they're, they're tired of, of even voting. They're tired of the thought of it. They're, they're so sick of politics, most people. Uh, they think that it's useless, okay? Uh, but I'm here to tell you it's, it's absolutely not. It's, it's quite the opposite. It's actually so fundamentally important that we get control of our political apparatus so that we can move forward, not just as a nation, but as an entire world so that we can serve the world, serve the future. We have to get control of our nation state. What globalists have come, uh, have, you know, bomb run essentially over the last century to destroy the nation state. They want to destroy national sovereignty. Okay. Now I'm writing a lot about this particular topic and the things I just shared with you in a book, uh, that I can explain better in the book, because uh, if you read it, you'll you'll get the whole idea. Gra you'll grasp grasp the whole idea uh, for what it is. And so, just thought I'd mention that up front, share with you guys that it is important to consider why we even have a government. Now, uh, let's see the suggestive evidence uh, that the election was in fact stolen from Trump. So we got to revisit this before we get into the Arizona audit, because I want to get into that. Okay, there's some specifics going on. It has been a tug of war, by the way, to even make this Arizona audit possible, okay? Before we get into that, though, let's get into the suggestive evidence of what happened in this election, you know? And a lot of people, you know, we're past it. We're having to fight everything that's going on, all the crazy authoritarianism of COVID and vaccines and 
and and the other and the U.S. dollar collapsing and our foreign policy being horrible, you know, and the immigration and the border collapse and all of this other stuff is going on. And so I get that we're all in that we're in the trenches essentially right now, but we have to revisit what happened on November third because until we get past what actually happened, until we get the facts, till we get those details to lay out how this election was stolen and how you know how we can prevent it in the future that is the only way we can move on as a country that is the only way that we can have trust in our voting process in our very electoral process because right now there are illegitimate there's an illegitimate government running things and doing things by the way that which I I've explained in the past but an illegitimate government by all means and purposes which I'm about to get into and that illegitimate government is doing the most a government has ever done. The most authoritarian policies, okay? The dumbest foreign policy we've ever seen, okay? It's like the most ridiculous, uh, unprofessional, unprofound, just crazy individuals have taken our government and have now infringed upon us in the biggest way possible. Every single thing that has come out of this Biden administration has been a tyrannical push on power. Whether it's taking people off a, on a uh, taking people on a no-fly list, like as of today with Nick Fuentes, you know, or if it's you know opening the borders, or it's it's nothing good for anyone else. It's literally nothing good, nothing good for Democrats, and nothing good for Republicans. The only people that think it's good are the people that are still in the the matrix who literally believe that somehow things are good and things are better and things are getting better. I mean, no, none of that is happening. Okay. So just wanted to mention that, uh, that this is the purpose of why we're even doing this podcast. Okay. Where we have to get to the bottom of what happened on November 3rd. Okay. So let's look at suggestive evidence that the election was stolen just to, just to teeter on it, uh, just to, uh, dive into it a little bit. Uh, the first thing I want to mention here is the really the globalist interest in ousting Trump's populist policies and crushing populism around the world. That's a big one. That's probably the biggest, most important thing uh, about how the election was stolen. The election was stolen because globalists at the World Economic Forum, okay, at the United Nations, okay, and NATO, you know, these are allies that are that are you know conspiring against the United States and not wanting us to rise up as a national power, right? Again, right, having a real superpower because we have been tamed over time. We've had our last four presidents, Reagan kind of being uh, a mix uh, uh, between establishment and populism, you know, uh, and then before that was really John F. Kennedy and really before that uh, was Teddy Roosevelt. So we've we've had a handful of presidents in the last century that have been truly America first, that have been truly Americana populists, okay? I would say Teddy Roosevelt is one of the first populists uh, in this country that was elected. He was so overly popular. It was like, th there's never been any a president like Teddy Roosevelt. That's why he's quoted right here on this quote that, I mean, no one can actually read on the camera, but uh, that it's so important. So, uh, you know, globalists have been working to destroy the nation state and they want to be able to vet the presidents of every single nation. So that way, the policies that are conducted at the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, really, which is controlled by Rockefeller interests and Rothschild interests, are put into these uh, nation states 
through their executives, okay? And in many cases, of course, through their legislative and even judicial parts or branches, however you want to look at it, in all of these countries. So globalists want to control the policy making, the lawmaking, the policy making of every single country. I can say one example fundamentally clear that everybody has noticed is the World Health Organization designed the color tier coded thing with COVID. Oh, we're in we're in the purple right now. We need to we need to get the masks on. We need to slow down businesses to about a, a 25% capacity as uh, of starting today. Uh, and then if we can get down into more of the green zone, then we can open up to 50% capacity. So this is the same color tier system that is being rolled out on a local level here in my county that I'm in now, Boulder County, uh, statewide in Colorado, in Canada, in Texas as well, uh, in the UK. The, 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 this color-coded system, it didn't just... It wasn't, it, it's, it's not just made by each, oh, wow, we all came up with the same system all over the world. Oh my gosh, it's the same exact color-coded infection system thing. No, no, that's called the United Nations. The United Nations designed that policy for the world. The world just adopted that policy and put it in place for COVID. Does that make sense? Okay, if you can grasp that, what I'm saying is that the United Nations Again, Rockefeller, Rothschild, Warburg interests are developing policies that are worldwide, but they're implemented on a national level on these different countries that are under their control. Okay. So with Trump, Trump was renegotiating trade deals internationally. He was doing things different in terms of foreign affairs. He was pulling us out of the, you know, the wars in the Middle East, which was all funded with the war on terror, which was all a fallacy to begin with, started with 9-11. So all of that was being disrupted by Trump's policies. So clearly, if you don't think Trump was anything, he was at least not going along with the established policymaking of the globalist forces that exist in the world. That's number one. We knew that the globalists would do anything and everything to destroy Trump and make sure he loses. They could not afford him winning the 2020 election. Okay, because we're talking like getting on a gold standard. We're talking about space exploration. We're talking about uh, things he was talking about, things that we were going on behind the scenes about releasing technology, uh, doing things medically that would be impossible, that would be amazing, not this whole tyranny with the vaccines, but actually releasing medical technology onto the American people. Um, so much would have happened here uh, it would have been unbelievable, and that is not okay with the globalists. So we really have to focus in on the fact that the globalists were using every means necessary, spending all kinds of money, okay, printing money essentially, to stop just Trump, but not only Trump, but populism worldwide, okay? We know that. We know that with uh, the president of Brazil, okay? We know that with even Boris Johnson in the UK, who is now kind of turned globalists, uh, we, we know that with the Indian president Modi, who isn't perfect, but more populist, more popular with his constituents in India. So there are globalist forces that want to destroy that flame of populism and they've done so with Trump. They had to do that with Trump. So they were willing to do anything. 
Uh, we have to consider the Event 201. We have to consider the Johns Hopkins University Spars Pandemic 2025-2028. We have to consider all of these simulations that went into prior uh, to COVID-19, the outbreak. Why did they select 2020 to be the outbreak year? When uh, it seems to me that the timetable of trying to release a bioweapon onto people so that they, you can get a vaccine pushed, you can get a medical tyranny put into place, you can get an economic great reset happening all over the world. Well, I think that they that the timetable on that was sped up because of Trump, right? So they put the COVID program, they went ahead and, and launched that program, the COVID program in 2020, as we experienced, okay? COVID was by design, not every second of it, not every bit of it, but the, the, the release of it, the infections, the counting the infections with the PCR test, uh, you know, tons and tons and tons of unbelievable things, okay, that go into uh, the COVID pandemic and, and how it all unfolded, what exactly happened with it, okay? So really the, uh, the COVID pandemic kind of, you know, we can, we can kind of look at that as, hey, this was a way to attack the populism happening all over the world right? Because it essentially did take over the whole world. And it, it, it put more money in the hands of the few, if you will, the largest corporations, destroying the small businesses, destroying the economic uh, decency of third world countries that were having tourism that's kept them afloat. Okay. I've I tried to tell you all this, but for example, Jamaica, I mean, 75% of their GDP is tourism. You know, what do you expect something somewhere like Jamaica? What, what is the whole nation supposed to do when you take away 75% of the nation's income? Does that make any sense? So this is how the COVID pandemic kind of creeped in to ensure using mail-in ballots, using these systems in the election to rig it. Okay. We all, we saw how that happened and, and that was all against Trump. Notice how every single rig Every single fallacy in the, in the election system was against this one guy, Trump, who was supposed to be this evil, evil, horrible, horrible, oh my God, person, okay? Again, think with your brain. What else happened that's prevalent in the election and why and how that happened, how that all unfolded? Social media censorship, okay? Look at the First Amendment. Look at the attack, Look, look how it all started. It started with they banned uh, Alex Jones, right? They banned Alex Jones, that he was the first domino to fall. Oh, well, he Sandy hooked it and he did some things and, oh, you know, and they did these bombing runs of this PR bombing run on Alex Jones. And then they took him off, you know, all of the social media platforms. And then they sort of said, hey, you know, this is hate speech and we really don't tolerate hate speech. And so everyone kind of, you know, they get along, they go along to get along and they just moved on from it. They didn't really think much of it. Well, where are we today? They suspended the president of the United States from social media. I mean, along with thousands of other accounts, other people are banned from social media. Their YouTube's banned, their Instagram's banned, their Twitter's banned, their Facebook's banned. They have no social media whatsoever. And that social media censorship is a way to control the narrative, a narrative that is out of control of the establishment because the established narrative is through mainstream media. They are the talking heads of the World Economic Forum, of the Council on Foreign Relations, of the United Nations, of the Atlantic Council. You know, these are all different, you know, propaganda arms that come down, 
you know, essentially to mainstream media and the mainstream media is the parrot media. They are the narrative. They are the narrative creators. They are the narrative generators. Of course, I would say the generator is definitely the different uh, think tanks that go into what the media is going to cover that day, right? And we've also talked about how Big Pharma has the larger, they're the largest advertiser on mainstream media, all mainstream media, by the way. They are the largest advertiser. Just think about that for a second. Big Pharma is, okay? So, just all of this control, and then you have social media censorship. Another tall tale sign that there was something happening to rig the election, right? Where you couldn't say bad things about Biden, but then you could say anything about Trump. I mean, just it's in your face kind of stuff, okay? In your face, trying to make it to where, trying to make it a consensus somehow that Biden was popular, right? But we all saw the numbers, okay? Uh, we Well, we'll get to that actually. I'll get to that in a second. The other aspect of this was in the summer of last year was activating race war. How do we know we that, that it's a race war and how do we know it's generated and how we know it's so we know this because of the WikiLeaks that came from Hillary Clinton's emails. They were emailing back and forth John Podesta, the manager managing her campaign and everything, talking about how they need to foment more race war, more division so that they can vote for Democrats. Okay? Because the Democratic Party somehow has a monopoly over the diversity of the population uh, where they use these people, just like Lyndon Johnson said himself, okay? He said, I can't even say it actually, it's that racist, okay? Not even gonna say it, not even gonna say it. But the point is, is that the Democratic Party, which by the way, is the party of the Confederacy. They are the party that split the Union and that started the Civil War. They are the party of the Confederacy. They are the party of the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. The Democrats are. The Democratic Party, they are the party uh, of Jim Crow laws, segregation. And today, they are the party of slavery. But it's different slavery. It's human trafficking from the border. It is taking people from a third world country, dumping them into the U.S., putting them into work, putting them to work, Okay, this is all through Democrat-funded charities. I hate to even say that. I hate to even say that because I, I don't want to get into the, the bias of it. But it is the Democratic Party that is literally human trafficking using Catholic charities, non, uh, uh, non-governmental organizations, NGOs to try to fund an entire human trafficking program. Buses, planes, and everything flying 747s to pick up illegal immigrants to take them to a happy place. No, dude to take them to either sex slavery, okay, prostitution essentially, if they're lucky, if, they're, if they can get paid any money, uh, to work off getting them across the border because the cartels run it this way. They say, look, we'll get you across, but you owe us 10 grand. So, you know, instead of paying us up front, it's all good. Don't worry about that. We're just going to put you into slave labor until you've paid off the 10 grand. We're going to have a home for you that you can't leave. We're going to have a place of work that you can't leave. Okay. And many women, 70 plus percent, by the way, I think it's now 80% of women who cross the border illegally are raped, but that's because they're going into sex slavery. So again, I hate to even be partisan here, but the democratic party is funding human smuggling right now. Okay. So I just wanted to address that with all of you and for you to get clear on that as well. So we've got the, uh, clearly, clearly, they would be the ones to uh, 
create a race, a create a race war because they're going to use the diversity and somehow get all the Democrat politicians on board with it. This is behind the scenes. This is all in their boardrooms and, and their talking points. They got the media on it. They've got, they bully. If, if, if the, some Democrat isn't in line, they'll bully the shit out of that person and make sure they're in line on the race war topic and they get them on the race war. So remember that that was totally activated. You saw the way it was all funded with Black Lives Matter. You, I mean, if you just look at the institutional powers that were funding Black Lives Matter, it shouldn't be very hard for you to figure out that this is somehow by design. This is somehow to divide the movement. And if you remember the website of a Black Lives Matter website was actually saying, we're going to take down the patriarchy and destroy the family. I mean, literally said that on the website. They took it down because people were starting to call it out. They were like, why are we taking down the family? What's this all about? So again, we already know that that was all by design. So that gives us another example of how they were attacking Trump, right? They were using it all against Trump. Now, another big reason why the, the, the election was rigged, this is just suggestive evidence, suggestive, is really Trump's accomplishments, okay? And, you know, a lot of people complained about Trump. You know, I'm not talking about the, the, the people who are complaining about Trump because he said something mean. I'm talking about the people who complained about Trump because he wasn't constitutional enough. He didn't do enough. He, he, you know, he didn't do enough about the masks. He didn't do enough to stop the vaccine, he, he promoted the vaccine, uh, you know, and, and he's, you know, he's not the best. He's this and this. And so there was a lot of that going on, right? And guess what? None of that matters now, right? Because he's out of office and we have literally the worst government that we've ever had, okay? And it's going to get worse, just so you understand. They're trying to put in a tax, a 40% capital gains tax. Do you even know what that means? Do you understand like how that will affect every single person in America, it will destroy the economy. Destroy. Okay. And remember, we talked about the economic meltdowns. And I told you that the economy is flushing your toilet, literally. So don't just think of the economy as like some Wall Street thing or some elusive, oh, those are the, oh, when someone says the, oh, that's just the the stuff I'm not involved in or something. No, 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 it is. It is your life. It is your everyday life. It is the electricity you're using to listen to this podcast. That, that's how That's how in the economy you are right now. Okay. So I want you to think about Trump's accomplishments for a second. Okay. Let's, let's just go through a couple in random. The right to try act. Okay. What was that? A congressional act pushed by Trump, signed by Trump, where you could get medical treatment of your choice under any circumstances. You just sign a waiver and say, I'm willing to try. I'm willing to die. I'm willing to do whatever. I'm just, I'm desperate. And I want to try this medication, whether it's ayahuasca or whether it's marijuana, you know, or whether it's some new drug they're trying to test, you know, in, in the, in the big pharma labs or whatever, the right to try act was a big deal. Okay. That's a big deal. And that hurt health insurance companies that hurt major institutional powers who were using, you know, this idea that, Oh, we need to get all this stuff approved and all that. No, you can use any form of medicine available at all at any stage to treat your disease. That is now true as of today in this country. You can legally use any medical countermeasure to, to handle yourself. Now, that was before COVID. So imagine that. We live in a world now where they were trying to tighten and tighten and tighten down the uh, med medicine capabilities. And I'm talking about medicine, even just like vitamin C, vitamin D, iodine, zinc, all of those things, right? It's just simple things. Now, what else did he do? Pulling the troops out of Afghanistan, Libya, 
Syria, Iraq, and Ukraine, uh, and other places like the, the South China Sea and everything else. Well, what is that doing? Well, that's disrupting the plans because Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, they're, those countries, just as an example, uh, they're not going along with the the United Nations and the globalist system. Now, Libya, we got Libya in line. L- L- Gaddafi's dead and that Libya is probably the third most or the second most dangerous country in the world when 20 years ago, it used to be totally normal country to visit, go to a concert, hang out. The French loved it there. It's a, it's a French, old French colony. They used to fly over there and hang out with concerts. Gaddafi was a good guy. Women were in college over there. It wasn't a Muslim-run, you know, theocracy over there in Libya. It was a populist government. And we just overthrew that country because they were looking at gold as a way to get off the U.S. dollar and do their own independent stuff and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so we destroyed Libya and this is what's been happening in Afghanistan and this was what was being attempted in Syria. See, ISIS was created by our CIA it overthrew Libya and it was going into Syria to overthrow Assad, okay? It was supposed to overthrow the president of Syria. Well, that didn't work out because Trump got in office. Hillary was supposed to be in office and we were supposed to overthrow Assad. We were really probably supposed to be at war with Russia by now, okay? If we were to actually have Hillary Clinton as president. Now, with Trump pulling out of Syria, he destroyed ISIS, a creation of our own CIA, mind you, okay? Of, of our own, of Western interests, created ISIS to try to overthrow Syria, to build a natural gas pipeline through Syria. If you want to know the economics of that, you can ask me about it. The point is, is we tried to overthrow Syria in the same way we did Libya, and it didn't work because Russia was there and Assad just went all out warfare and totally destroyed ISIS. And then thankfully, Trump got into office to essentially eviscerate ISIS, who was obviously getting out of hand. And it's like the, it's like the, it's like ISIS was like a rabid dog. You know what I mean? You adopted this dog, you know, it's kind of, it's got rabies, you know, it's gonna, it could bite you at any time and kill you. It could kill your family, but you know, you think it's precious. You think it's, you know, your protector. So you keep it around. Well, Trump's like, no, we're going to take this dog with rabies that could kill everybody. And we're not going to have it in our home or nearby. We're going to go ahead and euthanize this, this dog. Okay, maybe that's a bad example. I'm just saying that like you you just don't have ISIS running around. You don't empower and and arm a a, a massive gang, essentially. An international gang is what happened. We we armed an international gang and overthrew a country called Libya. That's literally what America did, okay, under Obama. And so we were trying to do that with Syria. So Trump ends that stuff. And again, I can go on and on and on just on the Syria topic, just on these things. Ukraine, look what happened with Ukraine. You know, the Democrats came in in there and that was during the Obama administration when Ukraine was being overthrown and there were Russian backed forces and there were Ukraine, more independent forces, Western style forces that were more pro EU and the Ukraine, and they were trying to pull Ukraine into the EU. Russia was trying to pull Ukraine and make it part of Russia, make it, make it, make an alliance with Ukraine and have a Russia-Ukraine alliance, uh, which would have been populist, which would have been Christian, which would have been strong. So what happened was all of this corruption there, that's where Hunter Biden gets the gas deal, the billions of dollars. That's where Joe Biden was all hooked up in there. That's when Joe Biden was on the Council on Foreign Relations talking about Ukraine, talking about how, oh, I called the president of Ukraine. I got a prosecutor fired who was investigating my son. 
and we got that person fired and we put somebody in place that was quote unquote solid, you know, under that's what Biden said. And everyone's seen that clip. So what did, what happened with Trump? All Trump says is, hey, let's look into Ukraine. Let's look into what's going on there. Let's try to have a, a, a revitalization of Ukraine. Let's ally with Russia. Let's make them do what they want to do with Ukraine. Let's help out with what is, what's right for Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. And then what does Trump get? He gets impeached, remember? He was impeached over a phone call with the president of Ukraine. See how I'm reminding you of things that you might have already forgotten about? This is all under what Trump was accomplishing, you know, making peace deals with South Korea. I mean, that was incredible, okay? Well, North Korea, sorry. He made a trade deal with North with South Korea. He made some peace with North Korea. Um, they didn't, like, formally have a peace agreement, but the point is, is that they were at a stalemate. They were negotiating. They were figuring some things out. China getting involved, trying to hurt that influence as well. And so look at what happened with the trade deals. Let's just talk about that. Trade deals with Canada. Mexico, South Korea, Japan, and others. I, I mean, there's so many others. The United Emirates, uh, Saudi Arabia. We renegotiated some of the oil pricing. We started to become energy independent. Remember that, guys? Remember when we had gas prices as low as, I don't know where you live, but in Texas, we got it down to like $1.20, you know, a gallon. Uh, I, I think at one point it was 99 cents in Texas. 99 cents a gallon, you guys. That's when we were energy independent. What does that mean? We don't have to rely on getting oil imported from another country, especially the Middle East. We were actually developing our own oil or producing our own oil. Okay, we were extracting it ourselves. So there was things that he did there. That was incredible. What else did Trump accomplish? Those tax cuts to businesses and individuals. Okay, people think it's like, oh, I, oh you cut the taxes to the richest, whatever. Dude, our government is ineffective. Why are we even personally having to pay taxes and then requiring these large corporations to pay such large taxes when our government is ineffective? Our government wants to give us goodies with other people's money, but they're not even that good. They're shitty. It's like it's it's like cafeteria food at your public high school. Why would you do that? You can go off campus for lunch, dude. Go off campus for lunch. Why are you getting the cafeteria food all the time? If you could pick, right? Oh, well, the cafeteria food's cheap. Oh, it's, it's included in my school program. Dude, that's what the government provides for you? Yeah. How healthy is that? Not healthy at all. It's some of the worst ingredients for kids ever. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Think about that and apply that to literally everything. Healthcare, welfare, everything that the government wants to provide for you by quote-unquote taxing the rich eating the rich, it's just not going to happen. Again, a whole nother topic I can't get into right now, but he, being Trump, reduces the taxes on businesses. What do corporations do? They use that money to make their business better. It's not just some CEO giving all the bonuses to just these high income earners. Like, no, I mean, you give bonuses to the janitor. You give bonuses to everybody because you have extra income because the government is ineffective. And why are we paying the government all this tax money when you can instead reinvest in your business? You have more capital to invest in making your product better, making your product safer, making your product more environmentally friendly, making your company more environmentally friendly. Why do we have government bureaucracy funded to try to make everything right? No, we need to do it through businesses. Give businesses the opportunity to do that. So again, that's against globalist interest. 
because you can't have manufacturing coming back to America. That's that's not a part of the plan. The plan was China was going to make everything. America was going to be the consumer of everything. And America was only supposed to be the military world power that would use the might of, of its military to overthrow countries that were not in line with the globalist agenda. That's what America is. Screw you. That's all your purpose is. You're nothing else. We're going to fuck you over. We're going to make sure your trade sucks. We're going to make sure your, 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 your money's flowing out. We're going to make sure that, yeah, you're the world reserve currency, but you know, you can't be that strong. So we're going to, we're going to take all your jobs. We're going to take all your producing power. Think about that for a second. If you produce, if you have your own garden, that gives you an edge up, right? And just a bit of an edge up over somebody who doesn't have their own garden. You're essentially producing your own food. If you have chickens in your backyard, you are getting eggs from those chickens, right? They're having a period like every day. Uh, that's what an egg is. And so you're getting these eggs, right? So you're sustainable versus the person that doesn't have the chickens, the garden, any sustainability whatsoever, no means of producing their own food, no means of producing their own uh you know, whether it's knitting their own clothes or just some way of producing their own products. Well, even in a home, and just think about it, that's small scale, but think larger scale here for a second. When you actually have the ability in a nation, you're stripping the nation's ability to make stuff. All we have is raw materials here. We don't even make it. We send all the raw materials to China. China is the one who puts all the products together, sells it back in a product form back to us. We don't need that shit. That's a, that's in, that's unfriendly to our environment. That's environmental pollution, shipping raw materials to China so China can make something and send it back to us. That's a waste. Why are we, why can't we just be, you know, plethora, you know, of raw materials here and make our own stuff? Oh, wait, we used to do that. We used to do that all throughout the 1800s, all the way leading into 1950s. We were producing our own products. We became wealthy in this country, not because we were stealing from other nations, unlike empires of the past. We were actually producing wealth. We were actually producing stuff here in America that people wanted to buy. So again, that is against globalist plans for America. Okay. So that couldn't be possible. This needed to be destroyed. What else did we have? We had a real setup uh, in terms of an adversary with China, okay? So China is essentially, you know, they're, they have a problem with us because, what of the, because of the trade deals, right? Because of what we were doing in terms of uh, uh, putting tariffs on China. We were turning things around saying, hey, look, you need our raw materials. You know, you need our food to feed your population. You need all this stuff from us. And we're just saying, hey, look, we're, you're going to pay a good price for our stuff and we're going to get a good price from you in return. We're not going to continue to overpay and all this stuff. Well, then that turned into crippling China's economy, right? So all of this is happening. And, and again, I'm getting to the Arizona audit. This is, But I wanted to preface the Arizona audit to exactly what has been happening, why this is so important. So we are at odds with China and I would even say we are in undeclared war with China especially during Trump's presidency, more so now probably than ever, right? Okay, uh, another thing, so, so now you have a China threat. So China and Chinese influence is now gonna work overtime to make sure Trump doesn't get reelected because of this. Just remember that. 
So then you have internet analytics, Google trends. You have uh, uh, all the car parades and boat parades, all this stuff with Trump. I mean, this is all what was happening during Trump's, you know, uh, uh, election and the leading up to it. So crowd sizes, do I even have to get into this, guys? I mean, there's no proof that Biden won. There is no proof that Biden won. Like, where is the proof that Biden won? Please, like, tell me. Okay, in certain cities, you know what I mean? Like, they have uh, some signs or something. Like, no, that's that's not enough for me. Okay, that's not enough for me. I need more evidence that Biden won. Besides the rigged election numbers, where else in the field of evidence can people actually come up with Biden's victory, okay? So just wanted to say that. How did Biden win? Did Biden actually win? I don't know. Suggestive evidence clearly shows me that Trump won the election in every way, shape, and form, okay? Followers on social media, all of these things matter. They all play a role in how the election went down, right? Now, the night at the election, we all saw the craziness, guys. Michigan spikes, Pennsylvania, the the chaos over there. Trump winning by, you know, 500,000 votes over there. They had to, or or like more than that, I think it was like 900,000 votes. They had to come up with a million votes somehow out of nowhere. I mean, that was a disaster. I mean, Georgia was just this like, it's a red state, always been red, but then all of a sudden goes blue for the first time, you know, and then Arizona, went for Bill Clinton, you know, in the 90 in the 90 race. But again, how did that happen? How did they go blue this time? No evidence whatsoever. There was in in the Maricopa County, the very county is having an audit. In that county, Biden had a uh, a rally there with zero people. Literally. Just the media was there. Okay? And I remember the local news cast, I remember watching this lady, she was outside, she was like yeah, you know, uh, Kamala Harris and Biden are here. And well, honestly, it's just honestly boring. It's really boring out here. There is nobody here. That was in Maricopa County where they say Biden had over a million votes, you know? And it's like, where are those, where are they at? Like if people were, I get it. People were watching TV, they'll go vote Biden. That's fine. I get it. Why aren't they at his rally? Quote unquote. Why aren't they seeing the beloved Kamala Harris, who isn't beloved, but you know, clearly the media thinks that. Why aren't they there? So that's just all the things leading into the Arizona audit. Okay. So here's the deal. Why does this matter? Why does the Arizona audit even matter? So this is the story that's being told nationally. Okay. It's going to all start. This is a domino that's going to hit other dominoes that are about to all fall. Okay. And we have to be persistent in terms of our communication and what we promote and our marketing, and this is why I'm doing the podcast today with all of you, okay? It's to tell you exactly what's going on there so that you understand how this is going to change the entire country. So why it matters? In Arizona, this audit, what it's going, the discovery from this audit, what it's gonna do is create a blueprint for election integrity. That is what, the goal is here. We're going to find out what went wrong. I'm going to tell you all the ways we're going to do that here and how the audit is going to make those discoveries. But we're going to find out what went wrong so that in Arizona, they can pass legislation to right this wrong. Now, that doesn't mean Trump's going to win and 
being, you know, the QAnon folks out there, he's not going to be elected and he's not going to be put in office in August. I mean, it's just, unless you have a complete outrage by the entire country, okay? And I'm talking like over half the population needs to mobilize and get pissed about the stolen election. Only then would maybe people capitulate and figure something else out. There's no way Trump's going to be somehow inaugurated in August or whatever people are believing in the QAnon circles. And God bless those souls. I think that people mean well over there. But guys, that's just that's that's not the goal here. You need to focus on the merit of what's going on. You need to focus on the facts. You need to focus on where this actually is going. So it's a blueprint for election integrity. This is the new front line in the battle to reclaim our republic. Yeah, it's that serious. This is the front line. You know how in, in Europe, when in World War II, there was the African front, there was the, the Eastern front with Russia uh, and Germany, and there was an Italian front, later opened up a Northern France front with D-Day and the invasion of France, um, you know, and then this pincer attack between Italy and, and, and the takeover of Italy and Mussolini and destruction of Italy, essentially, and the, you know, takeover of France. And, and so, so all this stuff, that's because that's there's multiple there's multiple battles happening, but the war is, is all the same. So we're in this big war, right, for, for, the huma- for humanity, for the freedom of, our, uh, of our, our species, right? So this is one battle line that has been drawn there in Maricopa. So if you take the whole world and you just zoom in like a Google search, a Google Maps, all the way in to Phoenix, Arizona, this is the battle that will open up frontiers all over the entire country. So we need to look at it that way. That's how serious this is because this has never happened in history. We have never done a true forensic audit of an election. There's been recounts and other things like with the uh, uh, Al Gore and George Bush race of 2000. A lot of liberals were very upset about the election results. It was disputed. It was taken to the Supreme Court, you know, and they ultimately ruled in favor of Bush. And that's how Bush became president in 2000. So we have to realize that, yes, there was some of that going on there, and that was liberals doing it. But right now, with the technology we have today, with the ability of, of, you know, they had to, you have to keep the ballots for over one year after the election. That's all state, that's state law pretty much everywhere. So the ballots are just there. And now they've actually got the audit. Not only is it happening, is it confirmed? They've already got this this convention center, you know, and if you know what a convention center is, guys, it's a massive facility, massive, can hold thousands, tens of thousands of people, right? They've got a massive convention center. You've got security, you've got armed guards, you've got police surrounding the area ready for protests, and inside you have a independent auditing firm. And it's funny because, yes, the owner was saying things about how, oh, the election was stolen and stuff. Yeah, so the owner is kind of pro-Trump. But with the work they're doing, you know, you can tell that like, at least it's someone we can count on that's actually going to be honest, you know. And that's just, because that's just how people are. So now you have this guy and this auditing firm going and they have the ballots shipped in the convention center. The ballots are under armed guard right now, right now. And they're going through each ballot. They're looking at blue light. They're looking at watermarks. They're looking at all this different stuff currently 
happening now. And it's going to be happening for 40 days, 40 days. Okay. So what exactly, what, what, what are the analytics here, uh, that they're looking up to determine this illegitimate election or legitimate election, however you want to look at it. What are the things that they're looking for? Well, there's a handful, actually. There's a handful. Let's go through those. The first one is absentee or mail-in ballots. Absentee is just another word for mail-in ballots. Absentee ballots cast from addresses other than where voters legally live. So that's kind of a handful of votes. You know, you moved recently and you voted and technically you, you're using an address that you're not living at anymore, um, but you just moved or whatever. Those are, those are, uh, those are fallacies. Those, those votes don't count because you're legally, you're in a different place now, right? Because that, that's, that's, we're talking local, statewide, and federal elections. Because locally, if you go from one neighborhood to another and it seems like no big deal, that could actually be the, you could be voting for a different congressional candidate in one versus the other. You know what I mean? So you actually could be. So those are very important. But they're looking at, well, did somebody vote over here, but they really live over here. The other thing is absentee ballots, mail-in ballots, that were returned on or before the postmark date. What does that mean? It's a physical impossibility. Okay? You can't mail a you can't have a ballot mailed to you, you fill it out and then mail it back in one day. That's not how that's not how this works. It takes at least 2 to 3 business days to get a ballot back in, right? Cuz it's a postmark the postmark is setting the date that it was shipped back, right? That it was shipped, postmark date. So when you get a ballot, clearly uh, there are, by the way, there are tens of thousands of these already. Oh, and by the way, Biden's victory margin is 11,000 votes in Arizona, the state of Arizona. Think about that. All they have to find is 11,000 and some odd or 12,000 illegitimate votes and... Uh, Trump won Arizona, okay? So let's not get ahead of ourselves though. Let's keep going. Double voters that are in state. This is gonna be a, a few hundred. We're not looking at too many numbers. We're not looking at a large a large percentage of that. That is basically somebody voting twice. Oh, you voted over here and then you go in and somehow you vote over there and they count both votes, right? Those are double voters, okay? Then you have something called ghost voters, okay? This is massive, okay? These were ballots from addresses where no one lives by that name, okay? So that means that if somebody goes and knocks on that door, hey, is, is, a, is a Sally, you know, is Sally Christensen living here? Uh, it's like, well, no, that, that person doesn't live here. Okay, well, we just have a ballot here. It says this address on it, and it says Sally lives here, right? And it says that Sally voted from here. And they say, well, we don't have a Sally that lives here. I've lived here for 10 years, right? So what's going to happen is those are clearly fraudulent ballots because somebody just put a random address and then filled it out and then put in that, oh, that's, that's, that's Sally's vote, okay? So those are ghost voters. They're meaning that you can't even identify who these people are. You can't actually find out where they live. They don't exist. Either they're completely made up 
or because the way you verify somebody is you verify a mail-in ballot from the address. That's the way you verify it. So if you have an address where that's they don't live there, that's no, there's nobody living there uh, that's of that name, again, you assume that there's, you know, there, that's a fake ballot, right? Another thing is this is a big, big one, big one. Mail-in ballots cast by voters who registered after the deadline. Okay, so this is a big way to cheat, okay, because all you're doing is pulling names off of residence lists that didn't register to vote. Just imagine you're you're some political, you know, uh, you're some, what's the word I'm looking for? A political animal, somebody who's involved in politics, somebody who's involved in these elections and things like that. And you're like, okay, the sign, the, the registration date to vote, to, to, to sign people up, to do all, it's over. So what do you think? What's the criminal mind say? Well, who didn't register? Let's look. And then you look at all these, you know, tens of thousands of people who never even registered to vote. And you're like, oh my gosh, what if I just grabbed a name here, grabbed a name there and just registered them, filled out the paperwork for them and then cast their vote for them? That is a, that's the criminality. These kinds of ballots, we're looking in the tens of thousands of mail-in ballots that were who registered after the deadline. What does that basically mean? It's impossible to register to vote after the deadline. If you go in and it's after the deadline and you're like, hey, I'd like to register to vote, every clerk would deny you. No, you, you can't do that. You know, that it's it's already past the deadline, it's state law, you, you know, you missed it. Okay, well, what happens when you get a bunch of ballots that are from quote unquote voters who registered after the deadline? It means somebody corrupt used the names off of a list of residents, okay, from a clerk or wherever, and they literally just filled out their ballot for them. Who knows if that person supported Trump or supported Biden? It doesn't matter. They filled out their ballot for them, selected Biden, and put that in. That's it. Does that make any sense? There's no way to really think about that because that's like, oh, that's a big way to cheat because it's like, well, that person will never do their own investigation, right? Because that person's like, ah, I didn't even register to vote, but I love Trump or I love Biden. I didn't even register. I didn't even care about this, blah, blah, blah. Well, somebody registered you and somebody voted for you and you'll never know because, well, why would you even investigate? You know, so it's a big way to cheat. The other aspect of these mail-in ballots is no address on file for the voter. So you have a vote, but you have no address. So again, again, a lot with the address and they seem to be different, but or they seem to be the same, but they are different. So a no addressed on file means that somebody voted, their, voted was, their vote was counted, but they never actually verified their address, right? They're, they never actually verified their address, like where they actually live. How do we know they voted for the right local school board or the right you know, congressional candidate? And how do we know if we don't know where they live? Again, that vote doesn't count, okay? And remember this, we are not counting all votes. We are counting all legal, legitimate votes, okay? So here's another massive, in the tens of thousands, in terms of illegal, illegitimate votes, and that's called non-citizen voters. These are votes that are placed by people who are not yet legally United States citizens, which don't count at all. You have to be a United States citizen. So even if you immigrated here legally and you've got all your paperwork and you've been here for four years, five years, 
you still cannot legally vote. Only citizens can vote. That is the law. Okay, people want to complain about it. That's fine. That is the law. So if uh, it's somebody who is not a citizen of the United States votes in an election, that vote just, it doesn't count. It is illegitimate. Okay, so even if they voted Trump, it doesn't count. So out-of-state voters who voted in-state, here's another aspect they're looking at. It is people who are living in, let's say they're living in California. This is This actually happens. This is exactly what happens, right? They live in California and they're liberal. And they're like, look, California's blue. California's going blue no matter what. I don't, if my vote doesn't count here, right? It's going blue. My county's blue. My congressional district's blue. It ain't going red. So I want to just vote in Arizona. So I'm going to use my friend's address or my cousin or whatever. And I'm going to say I live in Arizona and I'm going to vote from out of state. Because my vote in Arizona, which is red normally, will count in a tight race, right? Because it's it's somewhat divided there, but mostly red in Arizona. So all the liberals are saying in California, hey, I'm going to go ahead and send my ballot in Arizona and make it count over there so that that state can maybe get Biden in. Yes, people do think like that. There are a lot of people who are out of state who voted in state, okay? Now, what's happening... So now that I went over all of that, that's how they're, that is the audit. The audit is going to find out and discover how many of these votes don't actually count. Votes like what I just told you, okay? Non-citizens, no address on file. I mean, all of these things are important and they will be not counted. Now, again, does that mean that they're going to strip away Biden of the presidency and put Trump? No, but we're getting there. Let me tell you though, first, what the Democrats are doing to develop a narrative to combat what's going on. So what's been occurring is, if you haven't been paying attention, is the Derek Chauvin trial and the Black Lives Matter deal. Well, the media was so hyperventilating on vaccines and the Derek Chauvin BLM, they're just going in with their program, right? That's their program. They're just focused in on that program. They forgot that people in Arizona were hustling their asses off locally to make an audit possible. The mainstream media lost control because they were paying attention to the Black Lives Matter deal. And so the mainstream media and the Democratic Party, you know it's important. It's important to get elected officials and their opinions on stuff, right? What was happening during Derek Chauvin? Every elected official, oh, the Biden press secretary and and, and Biden himself and, and, and Democrat lawmakers and even Republican lawmakers and all these people had to, they were, the media was, was driving a narrative. How do they drive a narrative? They ask questions. Well, what questions? The questions revolve around the narrative. What is the narrative? Well, during that time, it was, what do you think about Derek Chauvin? What do you think about Derek Chauvin? Should Derek Chauvin be guilty? Should Derek Chauvin, blah, 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 blah. And the media is just going off about Derek Chauvin, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Derek Chauvin, Black Lives Matter, Derek Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, Black Lives Matter. And so what happened was people, the media totally left alone what was happening under the rug in Arizona. So now they've got this state audit. They got the state, they got the state legislator and the state Senate approving the audit. You've already got, you know, the ballots in the convention center. You, all of this was going on while the Derek Chauvin trial was happening. That's what I think is the most significant part of this entire thing. It was all happening under the nose of the Democrats. The Democrats had no idea. They had no response because... 
that was what was happening. So what happened last week? Well, let me tell you. Derek Chauvin trial ends, blah, 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 blah. And guess what? The Democrats in Arizona were calling on every single Democrat saying, we are panicked. They are about to discover the, the whole, the election. They are going into an audit. We are freaking out. We need Antifa. We need BLM. We need all the hysteria. We need it all here now. They're calling CNN. They're calling New York Times. They're calling Washington Post. They're calling, uh, you know, uh, BBC, MSNBC. They're calling everybody. All the Arizona Democrats are freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, we need a narrative right now. We need to develop a narrative. This is this. They they've got the ballots right. And this is this is what's funny. <laughs> I was watching Rachel Maddow. She is the the dyke on MSNBC, and uh, she was saying that sh- she was on her show, and she was like, she was like, uh, well, you know, uh, they're auditing in Arizona, and they're thinking that somehow they're gonna find a different result. Then the election actually is. This is this is this is a recount and after a recount after a recount, and they think they're gonna find it. And you've got the QAnon people who actually think that this Arizona thing is gonna turn over the election, and you know th- this is what they believe over there. And you've got Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell thinking that this thing is actually gonna make a difference, and blah blah blah. And so she, you can just tell she was panicked and she was pissed that this was actually happening. Okay, because. If this audit is legit and they go through the ballots the way they're doing now, right right the second as we're speaking, well, they're going to discover that Trump won the election. And so right now, the Democrats are panicking. They're suing. They're saying that, oh, this is uh, compromising the, uh, the election. This is compromising the voters. You know, oh, you're exposing the voters to to an outside group this is not right this is you know and so there is a point to that and what they're going with with this narrative is the chain of custody because when you get the ballots this is what we were complaining about the whole time when it came to the election fraud in every state was the chain of custody was broken where you had, you know, people with the mail-ins, they, they, they mailed it to somewhere and then someone else came in and got it and then someone else came in and transferred it and then someone else brought it to another. So what's what that means is it's a compromised chain of custody. It should just, honestly, it should just be a constituent is placing a vote, the ballot, it goes straight into the hands of election officials who then verify the ballot and then submit the ballot and count the vote. That's what's supposed to happen in chain of custody. Now the Democrats are saying that, well, the chain of custody is broken. These ballots have now left their secure place. They're in a convention center. They're being, you know, they're being touched and, and, and handled by some team of auditing team from Florida. And it's evil people that are doing it. And so that's their narrative. But they are freaking out. They're trying to stop this audit. Thankfully, I can report to you as of today, this isn't even a Democrat versus Republican ordeal. This is just... Can we get to the bottom of what happened November 3rd? Everyone is skeptical, okay? Everyone is skeptical. So what happened today was the judge, which was all shady. They One judge stepped down. Another judge stepped in. This judge is shady. We don't trust this judge to be legit. And the judge basically said after this you know, two-hour hearing today, they said, this is as of April 28th, they said, 
The judge says, well, there's no TRO, meaning there's no stop to the audit. We're not going to put an injunction. We're not going to stop at all. This is a legislative process. The state Senate has the right to audit their election because that's what the state does. That's what the state legislator does. They run elections. The, the judicial branch on a statewide basis as well as a federal basis, they don't run elections. If there are election disputes and, and different issues with, within the election that happen, the, there can be a court case for that. There can't be a court case for a, uh, a review of an election that already happened. Okay, because these auditors and the state legislator, they're not trying to change the results of an election. They're just simply looking to audit the results of the election. They're looking to see what actually happened in the election. This is why the Democrats are panicked because they can't get a judge to sort of rule in their favor. They can't get courts to actually do anything about this because the legislative branch has already initiated this audit. That is the most amazing thing. Now, once they're done with this audit, they're going to move on to Georgia. And the same team, the same auditing firm will be accredited with the ability to do this audit. And I hope that they get the same contract. I wouldn't mind if it's another group that's trustworthy, but I hope they get the same contract in a place like Michigan, where apparently... They're going to get the contract in the county of Antrim County, which was that county, if you remember, 6,000 votes switched from Trump to Biden in the night of November 3rd. And the uh, the head clerk, is it's a Republican district. It's a Republican county, like super Republican in Michigan. And they were saying, hey, look, this is screwed up. You know, this is wrong, you know. And so they fixed it, right? They did. They ended up fixing it, but they did say something was wrong. So that same auditing firm has already been looked at as possibly going to Michigan to do an audit there. Now, again, this is county by county. So it's going to take a lot of work. But these major counties, like in Atlanta and Philadelphia, for example, those two cities are the ones that need the audit the most because that's where the election was actually stolen, okay? And, uh, you know, th this is the crazy part that we're, this is the crazy world we're living in. But step by step, once this happens, things are going to get out of hand. Now, this is the deal. My recommendation for Donald Trump would be he's, he's speaking on the Arizona audit. He's talking about it. That's good. What Trump needs to do is on May 15th, when they're done with this audit, Trump needs to fly into Arizona, hold a rally in Phoenix, in Maricopa County, where they're doing this. And Trump needs to expose this and go over the results, the receipts in front of everybody. That's what Trump did. That, that's called being a winner. That's called political savviness, okay? So Trump needs to fly his happy ass to host a huge event have the auditing firm, have the receipts ready, and have the results in his hand and list those results and say, this is what happened here in Arizona. I won Arizona. And guess what? The media is going to try to not cover this. If Trump ends up going there and, and announcing that he won Arizona and that the audit proved that Trump actually won Arizona, the media will be forced 
to cover that. They will be forced to do it because it'll be a rally. And you know that those rallies are massive. And you know that the media hates Trump and they're going to try to destroy him. But they know that Trump brings about the attention. He brings the attention. And if he goes over there and he says anything about this audit after it's done, it's game over. Because it's going to push America into a place where we're going to start looking at all the aspects of this election. And we're going to try to get down to the bottom of it so that we can have a legitimate election in 2022 and 2024. That is where we're going and and in the future and in the future. And this isn't just for Republicans. This needs to be to oust the establishment that is a hold a grip on power that is unbelievably institutional uh, and is unbelievably embedded. We have to destroy this established uh, power that exists in our country. So this is an epic battle. This is the victory we all need. So all eyes are on Arizona and everyone needs to pay close attention to what's going on there. So if you have any questions, hit me up. Always down for a great conversation. You guys have a great rest of your evening or day, whatever it is. Peace.